Psalm 34, a psalm of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, he departed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What is man, or what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. He keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. David went to bring his brothers something to eat there at the battlefield, and he asked everybody what was going on. They said, well, there's a big giant down there challenging the people of, of God, and he's blaspheming the people of God, and, and he wants to fight somebody, and and there's, he's put out a challenge that he would represent the Philistines and, and anybody that fight could represent Israel. Well, David looks around and says, well, why, why are y'all just standing here? Why isn't somebody going down and, and, and fighting him? And his brothers get mad at him. He said, well, I'll go and do it. So David goes and talks to Saul. And Saul says, well, you can't do that. And he said, well, the Lord will, Lord will take care of me. He delivered me from the lion. He delivered me from the bear. He'll deliver me from that Philistine. Well, David goes down and trusts in the Lord and, and he defeats the enemy of, of God, the enemy of the people of God. He defeats the hero of the Philistines, the giant Goliath. Well, David becomes a, a, a famous warrior after that. Um, he goes and, and fights many battles for um, the people of Israel under uh, the kingship of Saul. They start writing songs about him. He's a hero. They write ballads about him. Well, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And so he's uh, become a folk hero among the people. Well, Saul didn't like that very much because he's a proud man. And, 
And the Lord had anointed David that he would be king one day. And, and Saul uh, hates David now. He tries to kill him. He persecutes him. And so David has to run from his, for his life. Here the hero of Israel runs for his life from the king that he had faithfully served. And even though Saul hated him, he was faithful to him. Even though Saul uh, tried to run him through with the javelin, he still didn't try to start a rebellion against him. So what's the, the hero of Israel, the, the giant slayer? Where does he go whenever he runs for Saul? Well, he goes to Gath, the, the hometown of Goliath, the capital of the Philistines. This one always does make me uh, scratch my head what he was thinking whenever he did this. Why would he go there? It doesn't really make any sense. Of all the places he could have went and run to, he goes to the one place where he was a notorious Philistine slayer, and he goes to the Philistines. Well, once he gets there, he probably realizes, well, that's probably not the best move that I've made here once they, they looked at him and said, wait, Aren't you the guy they sing the song about that you killed your ten thousands of our people? Well, then he gets worried about what's going to happen because they're going to bring him for the king, and so he starts acting crazy. Starts scratching at the door, acting crazy. Starts drooling, spittle down in his beard. And Achish was the king of the Philistines, and he said to his servants, "He said, look at this crazy man you've brought before me." Do I have a shortage of fools? Well, I don't think so. You think that I don't have enough fools already that you had to bring me one more? And that one always makes me laugh because Achish was kind of roasting David and his men at the same time, calling them fools for bringing him one. He said, I've got enough fools already, and you bring me another one. Well, that had to be embarrassing for David. And he probably thought himself foolish for going there and then having to act like that just to, to survive. And so David goes back to his cave. This is in 1 Samuel 22. And so David leaves there, and he goes back to the cave with the people. Now how would you have felt if this would have happened? You went from the folk hero of Israel to now they're hunting you. You're supposed to, you have a, Let's have the blessing of Saul with, you know, your father-in-law tries to murder you. You escape, you're running for your life, you're hiding out. Then you go to your enemy and you act like a fool and you make a a dumb mistake and a dumb move and you look a fool. Then you come back to, to a cave where you're hiding in chapter 22, verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brethren and all of his father's house heard it. They went down thither to him. And everyone that was, was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were about 400 men. So he goes back and sits in that cave and all of a sudden people start showing up to support him. But who starts to show up to support him? Well, people that were discontented. People that were in debt. People that 
were distressed. People that were in worse shape than David was. So he didn't exactly draw to himself the, the cream of the crop of Israel, but it was people who were worse in shape than he was. And now he's sitting in this cave with, with a bunch of pe- uh, defeated people who were also running, and they just threw their lot in with David, with David and said, where he goes, where, I'll, where he goes, I'll go with him. Well, at this point, David could have just gave up and quit, right? He could have just said, well, this is over. Look who I'm here with. He could have been in despair, but, but when he writes the song, and now Psalm 34 was written in this time period, on this occasion, And just think about how that song, when we were reading it, was hardly one of despair, but was one of, of joyful confidence in the Lord. David sings a song of, of rejoicing. And now he looks to those who are, who are down and, and discontent and, and troubled and in despair, and he tells them, trust in the Lord. Look to the Lord and be blessed. Look to the Lord and put your confidence in Him. Of all the people in all this region of the world, there would have been a people least likely, there wouldn't have been a people least likely to be praising the Lord than this group of people at this time in that place. Hiding out in the cave. But no, he, he tells people and he encourages people to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. What grounds does David have to tell these people to trust in the Lord? David trusted in the Lord and look where it's got him. David trusted in the Lord and, and everything is just going bad for him. It's just all falling apart, it would seem. But David is the Lord's anointed. And David believes and knows that the Lord has a plan for him, a special purpose for him. He has called him to be king, and he's going to trust in God's promises. And so he goes back, I believe, and thinks about the promises that God has fulfilled in the lives of the people uh, previous, and thinks of God's work in their lives. And I think takes that as a basis to continue to trust in the Lord who keeps his promises. Now, in the, in the title of this psalm, it says, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. But if you read the account um, in Samuel, the man's name was Achish. Now, some people say Abimelech is just a title, so it would be like Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh's a title, not a person's name. They say, well, Abimelech might be that. Or um, it could be that, that David is thinking about other men who were in bad situations by Philistine leaders, the Bible um, refers to as Abimelech. So that could be a kingly title, or it could be David said, Abraham once had trouble with an Abimelech, a Philistine man who took Sarah. And, And Abraham didn't do the wisest thing and then him and Sarah both got in trouble, but the Lord delivered, protected Sarah, 
and delivered Abraham and eventually blessed Abraham um, despite his failure in Genesis chapter 20. And then the same thing happened with Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. And Abimelech gave him problems. And the Lord was with him and did not um, uh, forsake him. And so here's another man that has been called of God, that had God made a, a will make a covenant with, that has been called with God, of God, with another Philistine leader in a hard place. So maybe David is just connecting this situation back to the people of God and, and saying, trust in the Lord. He keeps his word to his people. We want to think about this evening, trusting God in hard times. That's what we'll be preaching about. Uh, Psalm 34, trusting God in hard times. So what's the first thing David says when he sings this song? I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just in good times. Not just whenever things go my way. I will bless the Lord at all times. Whether full or empty, whether I'm sitting in Jerusalem playing my music before Saul or I'm hiding in the cave running for my life, I will bless the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. David is in trouble and he praises God. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David is going to thank the Lord for all he does for him. He's going to praise him for his goodness, praise him for his mercy, praise him for his provisions. He's worthy to be praised. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. David can't brag about being the Philistine slayer right now. That'd be a silly thing, right? To boast about himself or to boast about his army. He looks around and later on he has the mighty men from this group, but right now they're not very mighty. But no, his soul will boast in the Lord. He will praise him. He will make great the name of the Lord. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David trusted in the, in the Lord. He's being treated wrongfully. David has done nothing wrong. And yet, he's being persecuted for righteousness' sake. David has, has done nothing but seek to honor God and honor God's ways. And yet, here he is being persecuted. And he says, magnify the Lord with me. So it's as if he's looking at the, this group of people and saying, now listen, guys, we are going to praise the Lord tonight. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, you can't magnify the, the greatness of God. How are you going to make God any greater or bigger than he is? You can't do that. So what's he saying? He said, let us magnify the Lord. Let, let the Lord's name be magnified in our heart, in our minds, in our estimation. Let us think of God as truly as big as he is and as glorious as he is. Let's lift his name up. Let's exalt his name together. 
Let's remember who God is. Say, oh, David, but we got so much going on. Well, let us praise the Lord because the Lord is worthy of our praise. Let's lift him up. Let's, so it's as if he looks to the defeated and the distressed and the debtors and says, now, come on, come on, people of God. Let, let us praise God. Praise God with me tonight. Lift him up. He is worthy. Let's, let's, let's not think about the persecution. Let's not think about the debt. Let's not think about that right now. Let us exalt the Lord. Let's magnify his name. So he's encouraging the people. He's encouraging them to, to look up to God. Look to the Lord. Well, why? Why would David do that? Well, in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David said, well, I sought the Lord. And you know what happened? He heard me. You know what happened when he heard me? He delivered me out of all my fears. Didn't deliver him out of all his troubles, but he delivered him out of all his fears. Why did David start acting crazy whenever he was before um, the Philistines? Because he was afraid. That's what it was. He, he was. he was scared. Why did he go to the Philistines? Well, probably because he was scared. He was afraid of Saul and what he was going to do. Then he was afraid of the Philistines and what he was going to do. So he goes to the cave because he was, he was afraid and didn't know what to do. And there he was until the people came sitting there and just, Lord, I'm, I'm terrified. But what did he do? He sought the Lord. And then the Lord heard him and delivered him out of his fear. Seek the Lord tonight. No matter what you may be fearing, no matter what may be troubling us tonight, or worrying us or giving us great anxiety, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord because he hears. And seek the Lord because he can deliver us. Seek the Lord when we're afraid or anxious or worried or, or um, discontented or Whatever the problem is, seek him in the scripture. Seek him in prayer. And that's how you'll magnify the Lord. Sometimes we get the idea that whenever we are in the worst shape, so I, I just, I'm in the worst shape. I just need to stay, stay away. I just want to be by myself. Well, you know, what, what is good for our souls, though, that might be good for the flesh, at least we think so, what is good for the soul is to magnify the Lord. It's to, to come together with God's people and to lift up his name together. That's what David said. Let us, let, us, let us exalt his name together. You and I together. And you you may be fine, but your brother might not be fine. Your, your sister might not be fine. So let us come together and lift up his name together. David said, I sought the Lord. He heard me. And then verse number five, it might be referring back to uh, Moses, maybe. Whenever Moses was with the Lord and his face shined, um, that, might be a, that might be a throwback to that. But he said, they looked. In any event, whoever he's talking about is past tense. So David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. They looked and were enlightened, and they weren't ashamed. 
So this is going back in Israel's history. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. David said, I have experienced, the people of God have experienced, and that the Lord is good to his people, and he's worthy of your praise. You can trust him. And so you go, and you seek, and you, you hang on to him. This poor man cried, and God heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And just flip down to verse 17. Notice this, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. It's almost the same thing, but, but now when you get down to verse 17, it shifts from David to them, to God's people. So he's, he's saying, God will hear you. He will, he will deliver you. He will take care of you. Look to God. God is, David says, God's good to me. He'll be good to you. Trust him. Seek the one who saves. Seek the one who delivers. Trust the God who answers prayer. In verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth him. Now, what's that remind us of? The angel of the Lord encamping around. Well, Exodus chapter 14. So we've got some, some imagery there of, of the people of God again. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 19. The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them. But it gave light by the night to these, so that, they, so that the one came not near the other all the night. But here you have the, the people of God after they've been saved. Because if you read chapter 14, starting in verse 10, uh, Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel. They looked up their eyes and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Oh, Moses, were there no graves in Egypt? And you took us out here in the wilderness just to kill us? They were afraid. They were terrified. They, they lost their minds because of the persecution of Pharaoh. And then they lost their, their confidence because they were looking at all the bad things that were happening and said, oh, Moses, we're so afraid. And in verse 13, Moses said, fear, not, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then what happened? The angel of God went before the camp of Israel. The Lord was there. And David draws that to, the, to his situation. Just remember, we are God's people. And just remember that the angel of the Lord campeth about them that fear him. And he delivereth them. God saved his people out of Egypt. The angel of the Lord camped about, protected his people. And so I think David is drawing this and saying, God did this for the people in Exodus. He'll do it for his people now. He's doing it for me now. And so he's saying, trust in the Lord that saves. Trust in the Lord that redeems. 
verse number eight. Or, um, yeah, verse number eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. So now he's, he's calling them to trust in the Lord. The Lord has been faithful to his people in the past. The Lord is faithful to me, to, to me now. Oh, taste and see. Taste and see. Know that the Lord is good. Know that he's good for you. Know that experientially, not just in theory. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You want to be happy. You want to be blessed. Trust in the Lord. He is good. So he tells these cave dwellers, this um, motley crew of, of troubled souls, the Lord is good. And he's good to his people. Just think back to the story. That Think about the, the Exodus. Think about how they were slaves, but the Lord was good to them. He delivered them. Think about how they were um, afraid of Pharaoh, but the Lord delivered them. Think about how they were outnumbered and they were outmanned and outarmed and, and there was no earthly way that they could ever escape uh, Pharaoh, but the Lord delivered them. It's the same God. Same Powerful Lord, same covenant-keeping God. Taste and see that he is good. Don't fear Pharaoh. Don't fear Saul. Don't fear the Philistines. Fear the Lord, ye saints. Because God takes care of those. Now the lions, the kings of the jungle, the, the big lions... They sometimes go without food. Sometimes they go hungry. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Trust him. Don't fear the enemy. Don't fear tribulation. Don't fear lack. You know, he looks to those debtors and he tells them, don't fear your lack. Don't fear your trials. Seek the Lord and He'll give you every good thing. Trust Him. Well, certainly David wasn't saying that all of a sudden wealth and riches, are, you know, they weren't hiding in a, a gold mine and they were going to suddenly find riches in that cave. Trust in the Lord. And he'll give you the good things. The good things that God gives to His people. Peace and joy. And just those two things. In a world of tribulation and trouble, to have peace and joy. All he tastes and see that the Lord is good. Well, verse 11 he says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> well, David's now their leader, he's their captain. He will be the king. And now he looks upon these, these group and he didn't get frustrated with them and say, well, I, I want mighty men. I want men of valor. I want people who 
um, are ready to fight. I want military um, geniuses. I want um, you know, the, the top of the line. He, he comes and looks at the people who had come to him. He says, come, you children. So he's talking as a future king to his subjects and to his people. He's talking as a father to his children. So come and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. I'll tell you what it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. This is what it looks like to walk in the fear of the Lord. It's not to to rise up and, and to go back after Saul. It's not to be in despondency. It's not to, to, to just give up and go into utter depravity. Here's what it is. You want life and, the long, and good days? You want to see the good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile? Depart from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. This is what it looks like to walk in the fear of the Lord. This is what God's people look like. It's not what the Philistines look like. It's not what Saul looks like. It's not like what Saul's army looks like. But this is what it looks like for God's people. To seek peace, to pursue it, to speak truth, to speak good things. Fear, the, the, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Remember the Lord is with you. He knows what's happening. Don't we, don't we feel like that whenever things are just falling apart? We think that we forget that God knows what's going on. That, that God hasn't forgotten us. That God is fully aware of all your trials. He's fully aware of all your needs. He has ordained these for you, for your good. His eyes are upon you. He hasn't forgotten you, child of God. And the Lord is there. And he will help. He is with you. His ears are open to your cry. He is ready to judge the wicked. So there's no need to fear persecution. There's no need to fear what man will do. There's no need to fear election days, right? You know, you know we could we could get um, tore up about these things, but the Lord sees. The Lord sees and hears His people. Lord sees and hears the wicked too. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. People do things to be famous and they want power so they can be famous so they can be remembered. The Lord says he's going to cut them off. They won't be remembered. In some ways we ought to pity them. Some, it ought to even motivate us to tell them about Jesus. They're on the wrong side. They're on the side of Cain. They're on the side of Abimelech. They're on the side of Pharaoh. They're on the side of Goliath. Whose side are we on? Well, we're on the side of the Lord. 
The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be as a contrite spirit. God's people, in verse 8, he says, uh, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, ye saints. Verse 14 is to, for you, for, to seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. These are all God's people. The same here in verse 17, the, the Lord hears their cries and delivereth out of all their troubles. So this isn't this isn't just a David psalm. So of course, Lord with David, he was the Lord's anointed. Well, he was the Lord's king, but David says he hears the cry of the righteous and delivers them. He's telling his people there, listen, the Lord hears the cries and delivers the cries of the righteous out of their troubles. The Lord's close to those that have a broken heart. Saves those of a contrite spirit. Maybe you're downcast and brokenhearted. Maybe you've become disillusioned by the hopes the world offers. You're downcast at a, a providence that the Lord has, has dealt a heavy blow. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. You don't say, well, I'm not good. I'm not, you know... Powerful, I don't have all these things to offer the Lord. Well, the Lord doesn't need whatever you have to offer him anyway. The Lord, the Lord is the creator of all things. The Lord is close to those who are downcast and, and brokenhearted. We read that in 1 Samuel 22, 2, and say, well, man, what a what a what a group. And that's maybe what they were thinking. People got their head drooped down and kicking rocks in the cave and, and murmuring and all these kind of things. And David looks and doesn't say, well, this, this bunch of nobodies, what in the world going on here? The Lord, David looks at them and says, no, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You who are of a contrite spirit, a humble, broken heart, a poor in spirit people, who know the state of your soul and know your strength and know that that without God you have you're nothing. That we cannot save ourselves. We cannot um, even have our own righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We come to the Lord and ask for, for forgiveness because we haven't kept our tongue from evil and we haven't um, been perfect in that. We haven't uh, departed evil and done good and sought peace like we should. And and Lord forgive us. And David says, Well, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. That's who the Lord is with. He came to save the, the, the outcast. He came to set the prisoners free. The Lord did. Lord Jesus. God doesn't abandon the weak and the weary. He saves those who are poor in spirit. David said, the Lord will deliver you, God's people. So he says, trust in the Lord. Why should we trust in the Lord? Because the Lord redeems his people. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Did you notice the shift there? Delivereth him. Now we're back to singular. We're not talking about 
a bunch of people. We're talking about one person now. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. So we switch to the singular. Now we're back to David. The people are suffering with David. Why are the people, why did they come to that cave? Because David is their leader. He is now their captain. And they've caught, cast their lot in with David. Whatever happens with David is going to happen to us because we just we cast our lot with him. We, we've we've um, hitched our saddles to David. He's our man and we're going to follow him. So now David is, as their captain, is is sort of responsible for them. As as their future king, he represents them. And so David says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. David hadn't sinned against Saul, and he's got all kinds of problems, but the Lord delivered him out of all of them. Here is a, a testimony of faith. And then in verse 20, he keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. So we just read this um, in John, right? We, we hear that and we say, oh, well, this is talking about the Lord Jesus. Well, let's look in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46. <clears throat> I don't think David was writing this and all of a sudden just throws in a, a prophecy about the Lord. And he said, well, that's, I don't know why I said that, but um, I'm just going to write that down in the middle of it. There, no, I think there's a reason why he writes it. Exodus 12, verse 46. In one house shall it be eaten, thou shalt not tarry, carry forth aught of the flesh abroad of the house, neither shall you break a bone thereof. So that's talking about the Passover lamb. A bone of that Passover lamb won't be broken. So I think we go back to this theme that he's been hitting on. He keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. And so perhaps David is saying, the Lord has called me to a purpose. The Lord has made me, said I was going to be king. And here I am, leading this group of people who have, who have hitched their wagons to me and, and whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen to them. And if the Lord delivers me out of this mess, he's going to deliver them out too. And if, it, if I have to suffer in this cave and, and suffer these indignities, well, those who follow along with me as the Lord leads me, They'll, they'll be experience the blessings of the Lord too. David's suffering is going to bring about the blessings of God for Israel. Now, he's not being uh, conceited about that, but he's, he's sort of seeing the pattern there and then and just bringing this out that he is going to live for these people in that sense. God has promised David to anoint and anointed him, so they put their lot in with him. And God will save him. And God will save them too. Because the evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate righteousness will be desolate. The evil is going to be destroyed. But the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them 
that trust in him shall be desolate. The Lord redeems his people. How does the Lord redeem his people? How does the Lord redeem his people in the book of Exodus? The Passover lamb. The lamb was slain. Not a bone was broken. The blood was on the, the doorpost. The Lord redeemed his people. And David said, the Lord is going to deliver us. The Lord has redeemed us. He is going to save us. The outcasts are going to be saved because the Lord is going to redeem his people. But this pattern, this, this, this pattern is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the deliverer. He is the Passover lamb who didn't just lead his people in the wilderness as Moses did and then now as David is doing, but he died for his people. He is the redeemer. He is the king that suffered and brought blessing to his people. Where David just looked back and thought about that lamb, Jesus is that lamb. And no, a bone of the Lord Jesus Christ, not one of his was broken. But that says more than just a fact of history that they didn't break his legs, but what that was showing was he was that Passover lamb. And the reason why God said, don't break a bone of that Passover lamb when you have it is because it, it pictured the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of those pictures. He is the, the, um, the, the trueness of those shadows. Jesus hung on that cross and not a bone was broken. He died for sins and rose again from the grave. Now, it may not look like it now, but Jesus is the king of kings. And God's people are on the winning side. You might feel like you're in the cave, but you're on the side of the Lord's anointed. And the battle's already over. The battle's already been won. You are not on the side of Pharaoh and Abimelech and Saul and Goliath, but you're on the side of the king of kings. You're on the side of the victor. And the Lord lived for us, and he dies for us, and he rose for us, and we are trusting in him, knowing that we have victory. Now you look around in this world, and it doesn't seem like that. And let me, let me close with this. So we've been in 1 Peter 3. So let's go to 1 Peter 3, and let's, I'm just going to read quickly the text that we've been looking at. What's Peter been talking about this whole time in chapter 2 and chapter 3? Submission to evil kings, submission to evil bosses, submission and, and living in an unjust world who, whenever you have uh, buffeted for doing well and suffer for it, you patiently wait and be, because it's acceptable to God, because Christ suffered for us and we follow his example Finally, be a one mind, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, contrarywise, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? If you suffer for righteousness' sake, happier you be not afraid. 
of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What does, what does he tell us here? Magnify the Lord in your heart. He, he takes Psalm 34 and says, Are you living in a time of, of trouble, in a time of persecution, a time of despair, child of God? Peter draws that connection from Psalm 34 and says, Remember what the Lord does. Remember the Lord is a Savior. Magnify Him. Sanctify Him. You know, it's the same thought. Lift Him up in your heart. Are you like David or like David's people who are suffering for, for righteousness' sake? Are you like the people who have cast their lot in with David and said, well, if David's going to suffer, we are too, but we're following him. Well, if, if we're suffering for righteousness' sake, we're suffering for the Lord's sake because we've cast our lot with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they hated him, they'll hate us. But we're going to trust him. And we're going to walk in the fear of the Lord and we're not going to be afraid of what's out in the world. And we're not going to be afraid of who can harm us. But we're going to rejoice and be blessed, Peter says. I think Peter is just, you know, sort of preaching Psalm 34. Because the same implications that we find from Psalm 34, Peter gives us here in the latter part of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord. Strangers and pilgrims like the cave dwellers. Persecuted without cause, without cause and un, by unjust leadership. How do we not fear the king? Well, because we fear the Lord. How do we walk in the fear of the Lord? Because Christ is on our side and who can harm us? I pray this will help us tonight. Maybe give us some encouragement to, to walk in the Lord's ways and, and to look up and, and know that we are most happy and blessed.